At Joe Norris Motors Peugeot, we're known for our exciting range of award-winning cars and SUVs. Now we've created a range that's electrifying. The fully electric E208, striking and distinctive. The fully electric E2008, compact SUV, smooth and spacious. And the 3008 plug-in hybrid, combining advanced electric and petrol engine technology. To book a test drive at Joe Norris Motors Peugeot, visit joenorrismotors.ie. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Things that are done... It is needless to speak about. Things that are past, it is needless to blame. So spoke the great Chinese philosopher Confucius. Confucius believed by many to be the wisest man that ever lived. Since our story is about wisdom, we had to put Confucius in there someplace. Wisdom, a quality so often associated with the mind, can also spring from the heart as well. I tell you, her death wasn't an accident. Well, how can you say that? Were you there? No. Well, did you see anything suspicious? Did you ever even know these people? No, but I... Then what gives you the right to make such an accusation? Because that's what really happened. I'm never wrong. Oh, really? Now I'm... I'm never wrong about anything. Especially murder. <laughs> mystery drama, Sound Advice, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Victoria Dan and stars Carol Titel. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Basically, you're kind of a procrastinator, aren't you? Uh, can I get back to you later on that? Ah, but you don't just put things off. No, sir, you put things off for a reason. See, when are these snow shovels going to sail? August. I'll wait. But what about the two feet of snow on our driveway, Wally? It'll melt. Well, for you purposeful procrastinators, Buick has some very good news. At this time of year, your Buick dealer may get very accommodating when it comes to deals. On compact, fun-to-drive Skylarks, roomy, comfortable centuries, luxurious Regals, even full-size LeSabres and elegant Electras. Now, while we hate to hurry you, this is what a lot of other procrastinators have been waiting for, too. So stop dawdling, because you can afford a Buick. Yes, you can. Right now, at your Buick dealers. Am I too late? No, sir. I'd say you're just in time. Yes, you can. Nothing is given so profusely as advice, so the philosopher said. In a world constantly tormented by food, energy, and water shortages, isn't it reassuring to know that there is at least one commodity, advice, which will never be in short supply? Yet, despite the profusion of free wisdom, too many people feel the only advice worth taking is the kind you have to pay for. Perhaps that isn't so odd when you consider that we usually end up 
paying for even the free advice, often in ways we'd least expect. Uh, did you say something, Freddie? You haven't heard a word I've said. Said about what? Oh, for Pete's sake. Oh, look. Look at the absolute mess you've made of the paper. I should know better than to disturb you when you're reading Dear Doreen. What did you say? I bet there isn't a breakfast table in America where a man can have a decent conversation with his wife. You're all too busy reading that gossip column. It's not a gossip column. It's an advice column. It's the same thing. Some female poking her head into other people's business. What earth-shattering advice is the old bat giving today? Mavis? You really want to hear? Sure. Why not? The letter goes like this. Dear Doreen, I'm an attractive, fashionable housewife with immaculate habits. I can no longer stand living with my gauche, sloppy, inconsiderate husband. <laughs> I want to tell him I am leaving him, but am afraid of his violent temper. What shall I do? Signed, Desperate in the Country. <laughs> desperate in the Country. <laughs> I bet there's no such person. Would you like to hear dear Doreen's reply? Not really. Dear Desperate... You and your husband are obviously mismatched. Forget his sloppiness. Forget his temper. And most of all, forget him. Sincerely, Doreen. Forget him? Mm. This dear Doreen is telling some lady to leave her husband? Yes. Some lady she doesn't even know? She's a phony. I bet she makes up all those letters. That's not true. I bet she even wrote that last letter. Desperate in the country. Who ever heard of a name like that? It... It was the only name I could think of. What? I wrote that letter to dear Doreen. <laughs> you, you're kidding, right? I'm desperate in the country. What do you say? I'm leaving you, Freddie. You what? Leaving you. What? I don't believe it. I mean it this time. But why? I can't stand it anymore. Well, aren't I a good husband, Mavis? Don't I buy you all those fancy clothes you want? Please, Freddie. Don't I let you watch what you want on television when there isn't a game on? I don't love you anymore. You don't? Now, listen... You're not leaving me just because some fishwife in a newspaper tells you to. Now, can't we be civilized about this? Civilized? You expect me to be civilized? This is in the movies. There you go, shouting, always shouting. I'm not shouting. Let me make this quite clear, Mavis. You're my wife. You're not leaving me. I've made up my mind. You'll never leave me. I will. I am. I won't let you. I will leave you if it kills me. Even if it kills you? Uh, I, I don't want to discuss it anymore. Just a minute. Where are you going? I, I have a headache. Sit down, Mavis. No. You just don't tell your husband you're leaving and then just walk oh. off. Come back here. Oh. We're not finished. They go my arm. Not until you understand this, Mavis. You're not leaving me. My wrist. You'll never leave me. Please, Freddy, you're hurting me. Oh, my wife, and a wife has to be loyal to her husband. Let, let me go, or I'll, I'll, I'll kick you. I swear. Oh, why, you. 
No, Freddy. Freddy, I, I only did it so you'd let go of me. No, but, but please, please, don't hit me. Don't hit me. Mavis? Come, come on, Mavis. I didn't hit you that hard. Come on, get up. Here. Oh, all right, I... I apologize. I, I shouldn't have gotten so mad. I, I shouldn't have hit you. Did you hear me, Mavis? I said I was sorry. Mavis? Honey? Please, answer, answer me. You, you can't... It was an accident. You must have hit your head when you fell. I don't mean to... It was an accident. No one will believe it. I... I gotta... I gotta think. I gotta think. Okay, okay. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Can't you see we got an accident here? Hey, did, did a car really skid off the bridge, sir? Come on, there, No rubbernecking. Keep it moving. Wow, did, did a lady really drown? I told everybody to keep back. Now let that ambulance through. And make way for that stretcher. Oh, Joe, will you take over? Keep those people back. Keep that traffic moving. I gotta talk with the husband. Now, I know, I know this is upsetting for you, but I have to ask. Now, how did it happen? We were driving into town, Mavis and me. The car skidded out of control down the embankment. Into the river. Could Mavis swim? Well, of course she could, Sheriff. You don't think I'd let Mavis drown, do you? No, I don't, Freddy, but I've got to follow proper procedure. You know that. I thought she was out of the car. I... I thought she was right behind me. I didn't think she was still caught inside the car. I'm very sorry, Freddy. I thought she was right behind me. Hey, let me drive you home. I wouldn't let Mavis drown. I loved her. I know, I know. You you don't think I'd let Mavis drown, do you? You, you believe me, don't you, Sheriff? Yes, I believe you, Freddy. I believe you. <laughs> Dear Puzzled, your mother-in-law does not know everything. Come in. Hello? Yes? Um, I'm Jenkins Smith, new managing editor. Oh? I'm visiting the various departments, introducing myself to the staff. Uh, this is the dear Doreen office. Yes, that's right, Mr. Smith. And uh, you are... Doreen Compton. Doreen. <laughs> you mean there really is a dear Doreen? <laughs> Who else do you think writes the column, Mr. Smith? Uh, I thought, uh, well, I was sure it was just a name someone made up. You do it all alone? Is that so astonishing? Well, even when I tried to picture dear Doreen as an actual person, I, I was sure she'd be older. Many people think of Doreen as... A, a doddering old maid. 
Your quorum has always fascinated me. I get the impression that isn't a compliment. Is there a point, Mr. Smith, that you are uh, inadequately attempting to come to? (laughs) You certainly live up to your reputation. I wasn't sure I had one. Away with words. When dear Doreen speaks, the whole world listens. And it is the whole world. You're syndicated. So doesn't it ever bother you? What? The power you hold? I don't believe in false modesty. I'm good and I know it. Well, uh, I'll level with you, Doreen. I'm a newsman. I believe in reporting the news, period. No frills, no fashion centerfolds, no recipes, no advice to the lovelorn, no comics, just the news. But just the news doesn't sell newspapers. Say the word, Mr. Smith, and I'll gladly leave. Now, Doreen, no, no, I, I didn't There say. isn't another paper in this country that wouldn't pay me five times what I earn here. <laughs> yes. All I meant was what you write might not be what I think of as news. Still... As a journalist, you have a responsibility. Mr. Smith. Uh, Call me Jenkins. Mr. Smith. Yes. I am aware of my responsibility. Uh, But don't you ever wonder with all this advice you give out? Wonder about what? If it's the right advice. But would I give it out if it weren't the right advice? You're dealing with strangers. What's right for one person might be wrong for somebody else. Are you suggesting that some of my advice is wrong? Well, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. I don't. (laughs) With an attitude like that, you'd probably fall apart if you ever discovered you were wrong. But I am never wrong. Hmm. That's exactly what I mean. An attitude like that... No frills journalism, my foot. Doreen! Melissa! What took you so long? I'm famished. There was a new cashier and he took forever. Doreen, did you see him? See who? Never mind, I can tell by the look on your face. What on earth are you talking about? You look really steamed. I am steamed. Obviously, you've just had the pleasure of meeting the illustrious Mr. Jenkins Smith. Believe me, it was no pleasure. He hates women, Doreen. But that's not quite the impression I got. Well, not like that. I mean, he hates women on the paper. It's a fact. He thinks we're irresponsible. Melissa, how long have you been my secretary? Oh. Ten, eleven years? Well, it bothers me that you are so vulnerable. Oh. I admit it did irritate me for a moment, suggesting I would ever dash off advice, serious advice, in a, a cavalier fashion. He said that. Well, now, doesn't it prove my point? Melissa, I would be lying if I denied that for just a a second or two he challenged me to admit that I might have been wrong in any of my answers. He did. But that just isn't so. I have never given any advice that I did not have complete faith in. Smith was obviously asserting his new power as managing editor by preening his ego. I never thought about that. But how about lunch? Sure. Oh, I meant to tell you, on tonight's late edition, they cut off the last letter to make space for the obit. Oh, let me see. There, on page 47. An obituary for some uh, ex-fashion model. Oh, Mavis Montrose died, but she used to model for fashion designs. I think she drowned or something. Mavis Montrose was married to a, a dairy farmer named Frederick Gumbler. You look startled. Mavis Montrose was Mavis Gumbler. 
What is it, Doreen? Well, why should that name sound familiar? Hold on a minute. Uh, d- did you say Gumbler? Mavis Gumbler. Now, why does that name ring a bell? I have it. Desperate in the country. What did you say? Mavis Gumbler was desperate in the country. Remember, she wrote you a letter. That's right. She wanted to leave her husband. He had a violent temper. Their car skidded off the road, it says. Uh, Melissa, Melissa, get Mrs. Gumbler's original letter out of the file. Sure, but, but what's it about? Uh, it's got to be a coincidence that she died so soon after I printed her letter in the column. Coincidence? I have a strange feeling about this. I, I can't quite explain it. She wanted to leave her husband. I, I told her to go ahead and leave him. Well, from what she said about him, it was good advice. Well, I thought so, too, or else I wouldn't have given it. Certainly. And, uh, after all, good advice never killed anybody. Or, uh, did it? What exactly is good advice? If we examine history... We can see it's always been the fashion to blame an individual for the hardships of many. The advisor, the oracle, the strategist, the sage, all have always been held responsible for devastating military defeats and countless economic disasters. Who really is to say that the burden for unfortunate advice lays with the one who gives it and not the one who follows it? I'll be back with Act Two shortly. About this matter known as coincidence, there are two definite schools of thought. Most of us think practically, that is, we believe coincidence is the random crisscrossing of two unrelated events. A surprisingly large number of scholars, however, are enrolled in the program that preaches there is a plan. Each event in this world is irrevocably connected to another by some mysterious universal directive. Nothing happens by accident. This revelation, while soothing to many, may be quite distressing to others. Doreen, what did you just say? Maybe Mavis Gumbler's death wasn't an accident. But of course it was an accident. But I find it rather strange for a man to just leave his wife in a sinking car. There's something about this uh, accident that bothers me. Tell me. I I, I can't explain it. It's just a a feeling. Uh Oh, look out. I'm serious, Melissa. Don't you find it strange that a woman should die the same day I print the answer to a letter? I still don't understand. I think Mr. Gumbler let his wife drown. He let her drown. But why? But you remember what she said in her letter. He was violent. She wanted to leave him. That that says it all. You mean he'd let her die rather than lose her? It's not uncommon. Doreen, maybe the husband was no great bargain, but it doesn't necessarily mean he'd let her drown. I told you already, something bothers me about this. It isn't as if you really knew these people. What's to know? Facts. Hard facts. How do you measure facts up against instinct? Look, I know there's something fishy. How do you prove that a person let another person drown? I don't know. But... He let his wife drown. 
Doreen, why, why are you so concerned about, about a total stranger like Mavis Gumbler? Oh, she wasn't exactly a stranger. She was one of my one of my readers. You have millions of readers. I've never known you'd become so involved. Whenever I give a reader advice, Melissa, I am involved. In all the years I've worked for you, your involvement ends when you put your signature on a reply. All right. So why this special interest all of a sudden? Maybe I owe her something. What would you owe Mavis Gumbler? I don't know. I honestly don't know. What other mail is there today? The Chamber of Commerce wants you to speak at the luncheon. Oh, it's that time again. Shall I tell them you accept? Yes. There's also what appears to be an upstate newspaper, the Greenfield Gazette. And a voucher for your expense. Oh, the Greenfield Gazette. Oh, let me take a look. When did you start receiving the Greenfield Gazette? Oh, I, uh, <laughs> sent away for it. There's a lot you can learn from reading small-town papers. Readers, attitudes, trends. It's all very interesting. Greenfield. Green... Isn't that the same town Mavis Gumbler was from? Yes. Now, you're not still thinking about that, are you? So, that's what she looked like. Who? Mavis Gumbler. Her picture's in the paper. Oh. They're naming some sort of scholarship after her. Doreen, you're obsessed. That's absurd. Obsessed with what? With a person you've never met. With an accident you believe you might have caused. That's not so. No. Then why for the past two weeks have you gone out of your way to find out everything you can about that woman? Even sending away for her local newspaper. Well, I'm curious. What do you owe Mavis Gumbler? I'm not sure. Now, you're not blaming yourself for her death. No, look at her face. Look at her face, Melissa. I saw it. Well, she almost seems to be saying something. Look. What am I supposed to say? Her eyes. She's trying to tell me something. Why are you torturing yourself no, like this? I am not torturing myself. I'm simply stating a fact. Weren't you telling me before that I should rely more on facts... Mavis Gumbler is trying to tell me something. That's a fact. What is she trying to tell you? I don't know. Yet. But I intend to find out. What did you want to speak to me about, Mr. Smith? Uh, call me Jenkins. I call you Doreen, don't I? Everybody calls me Doreen. Well, I want to ask you something. When was the last time you took a vacation? I don't like vacations. They're boring. You've got a lot of time coming to you. Why are you so concerned? I'm your boss. And also, I happen to like you. I'd hate to see you get into a rut. Well, what makes you think I'm in a rut? <laughs> I know the signs, believe me. Doreen, uh, I, I want to apologize to you for anything I might have said before that was in the least bit insulting. I'm trying to admit that in your way you do what every journalist tries to do. You mean right? No. You try to find the answers to questions. That's what I do, all right. You seek. And uh, what do I seek? The truth. The truth. <laughs> I suppose that sounds almost corny. But I've always felt a newspaper owed its readers the truth. Yes. That's exactly what we owe our readers. We owe them the truth. Mm. 
we actually agree on something. Oh, we agree. We most certainly agree. And I think I will take a little vacation. Yes. The Bahamas are great this time of the year. No. I'm going up to the country. Ever hear of a place called uh, Greenfield? Can I help you? Uh, I'm looking for the sheriff. Well, I'm the sheriff, ma'am. Oh. By the oh, I suppose you mean the suit. Not every country sheriff wears the traditional uniform, Miss... Uh... Uh, Compton. Doreen Compton. What can I do for you, Miss Compton? Well, this is the same town of Greenfield in which several weeks ago there was an auto accident involving a Mrs. Mavis Gumbler. Uh, poor Mavis. Did you know her, Miss Compton? In a way, yes. Wonderful woman, Mrs. Gumbler. Very highly thought of in the community. Great tragedy. Uh, Sheriff, would you mind very much telling me how it happened? I'd feel a lot better if I knew all the facts. Well, sure. Uh, why don't you make yourself comfortable and have a seat, ma'am? Oh, thank you. You see, there really isn't much to tell. It was about eight and a half dark it still is this time of year. The road was slick from melting snow, and the car skidded right off the road down the embankment into the river. Mr. Gumbler managed to swim free of the car, but Mrs. Gumbler, apparently unconscious, remained inside the submerged vehicle. And those are all the facts. Sheriff, I have in my possession some information pertinent to the case. What case? What have we just been talking about? The Mavis Gumbler case. But there is no case, ma'am. Very well, the investigation. Well, what investigation? Well, considering the mysterious circumstances of her death, surely an investigation is in order? Miss Compton, in what way was Mavis Gumbler's death mysterious? Well, don't you find it odd that her husband never went back to the car to try and rescue her? was tragic, perhaps, but not odd. Well, if somebody I loved was trapped in a submerged car, I'd you, suddenly... You uh, You ever been in an accident, ma'am? Well, no, but I... Then perhaps you might not be aware of a state known as shock. Well, of course I've heard of shock. Putting that aside for a moment, have you ever tried to return to a submerged car? Well, but it's possible he have may... Have you any idea how difficult... No, 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 no. How, how, how near impossible it is... To see underwater. No, I, I didn't realize you that. You made some serious allegations, ma'am. Is it your belief that Freddie Gumbler deliberately let his wife drown? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Well, now, you mentioned evidence. What kind of evidence? Well, I, I have here a letter written to me by Mavis Gumbler shortly before her death. May I see it, please? Are you aware that she intended to leave her husband? No. I was not aware of that. Yes, well, it's all here in this letter. She wanted my advice. Your advice? That's how I make a living, Sheriff. I write an advice column. An advice column? Here. Here, this is the letter. Oh, you're dear Doreen. The dear Doreen. <laughs> but perhaps this may sound rather silly to you, but the fact that she died so soon after writing this letter and so soon after I printed my answer, well, I, it, it made me wonder whether or not the accident was coincidental. Well, Miss Compton, everybody knows Freddie had a temper. 
This letter doesn't prove a thing. Maybe not proof, but at least it sheds some light on... Well, what I'm trying to say is, isn't it at all possible that... That Freddy, with his temper, would be so riled up at the thought of Mavis leaving him that he'd let her drown rather than let her walk out on him? Well, isn't that what uh, you'd call a crime of passion? Now, you can't convince me what happened to Mavis Gumbler was a crime of passion. Didn't come here to start trouble. No, I'm sure you meant well. I... I, I owe it to Mavis Gumbler to find out the truth. Well, you answered her letter and you told her to go ahead and leave Freddy, didn't you? Well, in fact, I did. Well, now, excuse me for saying this, but do you feel you owe Mavis something because you perhaps feel guilty? It's not guilt. Well, what is it? Well, I have nothing to be guilty about. It, it's just a, a feeling I have, that's all. A feeling? Yes, Sheriff. It's a, a kind of intuition that I, I've always had. Something instinctively disturbs me about what happened to Mrs. Gumbler. You mean you came all the way up here because of a feeling? Perhaps if, if I could just I've see some... I've already anticipated your next question. Here you are, Miss Compton. There's a... Oh, photographs of a body. That's what you were about to ask me for, am I right? Is that Mavis Gumbler? After she was taken from the water, oh. as you can see. Yes, yes, I, I, I can see that. Well, haven't you ever seen a dead body before, Miss Compton? No, no, not a picture like this. No, not a... Wait, wait just a minute. This... Picture. I beg your pardon? There, there's something, something in this picture. It, it's wrong. What do you mean? Well, something just isn't right. Well, what isn't right? I don't know. I don't know. But this woman's death was not an accident. In all fairness to the accepted rules of storytelling, we admit that certain clues have already been furnished in Act One. We like to think that you, the listener, have grown rather adept at deciphering the puzzles concocted here regularly. Detectives who use intuition as a means of solving mysteries are well aware that this phenomena is the subconscious mind's analysis of facts. I'll be back shortly. By what power do we become the victims of an obsession? Is it the power of guilt, vanity, or perhaps obsession is a force all of its own? Why would a woman travel hundreds of miles to a rural town in upstate New York to prove someone's death was not an accident? A person who was a total stranger. From where does the energy come that fuels each person's individual quest for truth? A quest so often launched with a double-edged sword. For while we all feel compelled to seek the truth, are we not also afraid of what we will find? Let me understand this, Miss Compton. You say you feel that Mavis Gumbler didn't die accidentally. 
Yes, Sheriff. I, I, I somehow know she didn't. Now, I already explained to you, ma'am, that it's impossible to prove her death was anything but an accident. I'm not talking about the accident. Well, what are we talking about, then? Well, I believe she was dead, or at least unconscious before the accident. How on earth did you arrive at that conclusion? Well, I can't explain it. There's something, I don't know, something about that picture. Yeah, but you can't quite put your finger on it, is Correct. that Correct. Now, I don't know what kind of world you live in, Miss Compton, but allow me to explain what the reality is up here in Greenfield. A person, might I say a fine person, has died and been laid to rest. I have no intention of permitting you or anyone else for that matter to cause further pain and anguish to the bereaved. Unless you're prepared to back up your accusation with facts. But, Sheriff, it's... I warn you, Miss Compton, not to make a nuisance of yourself. I have no intention of leaving until I have solved this matter to my satisfaction. It's beautiful at night. I couldn't take a walk like this in the city. Still, I I suppose I had better get back to the hotel. Oh! Oh, who's there? I, I said, who's there? Who, who are you? You're her, aren't you? I don't... I don't know what you're talking about. You're her. You're dear Doreen. But who are you? I had to see you. I had to know what you looked like. Who are you? Why did you have to come here? Why couldn't you just leave us alone? You're... You're Mr. Gumbler. How could you be so cruel? How could you tell Mavis to leave me? Oh, now, Mr. Gumbler, Don't I... you know a woman's place is with her husband? Look, in the first place, I did She'd be alive if it weren't for you. I beg your pardon. You and that stupid column of yours... You had to put ideas in Mavis's head. It wasn't my idea for her to... You're the one that caused all the trouble between Mavis and me. Pretending you know how to solve other people's problems. A meddler is what you are. If you will excuse me, Mr. Gumbler, I really should be returning to my hotel. It's your fault she's dead. I refuse to stand here in the cold night air and argue with you. Go on, walk away. But I warn you, Miss Dear Doreen, you're not welcome here. The sooner you leave, the better. Are you threatening me? It's more than a threat. It's a promise. What on earth? Who is it? It's the sheriff, Miss Compton. Oh, just a minute. Sorry to disturb you at this hour, ma'am. Oh, excuse the, the robe, Sheriff, but I was about to go to bed. Now, don't apologize. I want you to get a good night's sleep. Because you'll be leaving first thing in the morning. Leaving? I don't understand. But didn't I specifically ask you, ma'am, not to make a nuisance of yourself? Well, I, I haven't. I... When did you listen to me? No, no, no. Of all people, you have to go harassing Freddy Gumbler. What? If anyone was harassed, it was I. I'll have you know that man threatened me. Well, can you blame him after the way you upset him? How dare you accuse him of laying a hand on his wife? He's lying. I never said such things. You ask me to believe you over Freddy, a man I've known for 20 years? Sheriff, Sheriff, credit me with a little delicacy. Didn't I hear you with my own ears in my office 
accuse him of murder? Well, I admit that. Now, I... who am I supposed to believe? I'm asking you, no, I'm telling you, to leave town in the morning. That isn't fair. Now, stop causing trouble just because you got your own guilty conscience. Of all the... Sheriff, I am not some little miss nobody. I am Doreen Compton. I know who you are. I don't think you do. I know the Attorney General of this state. I am personally acquainted with the First Lady. I can give you a list of senators, congressmen who are good friends of mine. I even know your boss, the Governor. I can make things pretty uncomfortable for you if you insist on treating me like some stupid little old lady. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly put all your cards on the table, don't you, ma'am? When you force my hand. All right. You can stay. And that's not all. Well, what now? I've got to see those pictures of Mavis Gumbler's body again. This minute? I told you before that... I thought Mavis Gumbler was dead before the car accident. Well, now I'm sure of it. And I think I can prove it. You can prove it, hmm? The answer is in those pictures. Something that bothered me before, but I, I, I couldn't put my finger on it till now. Yeah, I know, I know. You had a feeling. No, it's not a feeling. Now I know exactly what I'm looking for. Miss Compton, you've been staring at that picture for half an hour. I knew it. <laughs> I knew before there was something wrong with this picture. Do you see it, Sheriff? See what? You can't see it because you're a man. That's the point. Freddie Gumbler didn't notice it either. And that's where he made his fatal mistake. Miss Stan, you're saying that because I'm a man means that I can't see... Can't see something. Something that proves to me beyond the shadow of a doubt that Mavis Gumbler was dead, or at least unconscious, before she even left the house and got into that car. No, I still don't see it. Mavis Gumbler used to be a high-fashion model. She knew everything there was to know about clothes, about being fashionable... Till the day she died, she had a reputation for being chic. Well, now, I won't argue with you there. Freddie Gumbler spent a fortune on clothes for his wife. The, the suit that she's wearing in this picture, it's a Berti of Paris original. His things sell for $700 or more. I know, because I've bought them myself. Now, what does this have to do with proving... A woman that... as fashionable as Mavis Gumbler would never have made a mistake like this. I wish you'd tell me, ma'am. I'll tell you. Right now, Sheriff. Sheriff, what's going on here? Sit down, Freddy. What's this all about? Freddy, I want you to tell me again, from the beginning, what really happened the day of the accident. What really happened? Well, Sheriff, I've already told you what happened. Tell me again. I don't understand. Just, just, just tell me, Freddy. Wait a minute. Who's that over there? That's a stenographer. Well, why do you need a... What's going on here? Tell me the truth, Freddy. I already told you. Mavis and I had dinner. And we changed into our Sunday best for that party over at the Preston's. And then? Well, you know the rest. We were on the river road... The car skidded. We went right over the embankment. The waters were high from the rains we'd been having. The car sank in seconds. 
I remember swimming and swimming and not getting anywhere. I, I must have blacked out as soon as I hit the shore again. And Mavis was still in the car, unconscious, dead, whatever came first. Oh, come on, please. I, I can't bear to talk about it anymore. What really happened? I just told you. You're lying. No, I'm not. Freddy. It's, it's the truth. I swear it's the truth. We know you did it. Did what? It was an accident. What did you hit her with? It wasn't like that. What was it like then? I hit her with my hand. I didn't think she'd... I didn't think I hit her that hard. Was she dead? She was going to leave me, Sheriff. She couldn't stand for for me to touch her anymore, she said. How could she leave me? I, I couldn't let her leave me. Was she dead then, Freddy? No. Oh, maybe. I'd, I don't know anymore. I, I put on my suit. I, I dressed Mavis in her fanciest new outfit. I put her in the car. Like we were going to that party... Like not, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And then what, Freddy? We drove around for a while, and all soon it was like old times. Me and Mavis all dressed up, going to town. I started to talk to her. Looks like more rain, Mavis. I said, Sheriff, I, I realized then she, she wasn't going to answer me. She, she was never going to answer me. Pressed my foot down on the accelerator, and that's when I went into that skid. When the car went crashing down the embankment, I was thinking, this is what dying feels like. But when the car hit the water and, and started to sink, and, and soon the water was up past the windows and, and dark and cold, and I still wasn't dead, I knew I was afraid. I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. And so you managed to get out of the car and leave Mavis behind. I left her behind. All right, Freddy. Sheriff, how, how did you know? How did I know? Your wife told me. Mavis? Told you? Her picture, Freddy. Her picture told me. Her picture? It was the one thing that proved your wife couldn't have dressed herself. But it took a woman to spot it. You do see, Sheriff. You do see what I mean. Yes, yes, indeed I do. Mavis Gumbler would never have walked out of the house dressed that way. A $700 suit with the skirt on backwards. Anyone as fashion conscious as she was would know that for this suit, the zipper does not zip up in the front. As good be out of the world as out of fashion... So the saying goes. As always, it's the little things, the so very insignificant details that become our undoing. The microscopic blunders, invisible to the untrained eye, just as easily emerge as glaring discrepancies to the more sophisticated observer. I'll be back shortly.
the destructive powers that lay within the mind, surely guilt must be the most awesome. How are we to explain the vulnerability of even the most confident human being to the ravages of this simple emotion? What is this ceaseless drive to learn the truth at any cost? Perhaps the answer lies somewhere in our respect for those truths which are painful only when we avoid facing them. After all, are not the invisible burdens the heaviest? Our cast included Carol Titel, Cork Benson, Arnold Moss, and Martha Greenhouse. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.